I'm delighted that you're here, Henry. What are you doing tomorrow night? On today's A Week in Wireless, it's the Week in Wireless Christmas party, y'all. We are going over the goods, the bads, the hilarious, and everything in between of 2016. Mmm. All that and more on today's A Week in Wireless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Week in Wireless Christmas party special. My name is Tim Skinner. And on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave me laryngitis. <laughs> oh. oh, let's get going. Uh, so I'm going to introduce everyone, uh, everyone today, and uh, and then we'll go around the table. Uh, we'll go through our highlights of 2016. We're here to bring you, dear listener, the biggest talking points that have been in the last 12 months. So introducing today's guests. Well, I wish it could be Christmas every Davies. It's Jamie Davies. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there. Uh, I really can't stay, but baby, it's foggy outside. It's Richard Fogg. Hello. Uh, oh, the weather outside is frightful, but Mary Clark is so delightful. Oh, that's fabulous. Oh. Uh, but since there's no place to go, bichano, bichano, bichano. <laughs> I guess that's me. Cheers, mate. Yeah. Uh, I'm dreaming of a wood Christmas. It's Alex Wood. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, and finally, jingle burrows, jingle burrows, jingle all the way. It's Henry Burrell. Say the worst of last. Yeah, anyway, terrible introduction concluded. I'm going to get on with it. So I'm going to set to the house rules. Uh, there's seven of us here today, so let's try not to talk over each other. Uh, it's probably going to happen at some point but if we can keep that to a minimum that would just be fantastic um brilliant (laughs) that's a good start uh i've been told that i need to keep this house in order a lot has happened this year so we're going to go for roughly five minutes a topic uh i'm going to have a little spasm when your time's up so uh so we'll have to move on at that point that'll be fabulous oh they're great come on (laughs) i recommend them Could could you give us a demonstration of said spasm uh i was thinking of either sort of an alarm sound from my iphone or i could just kind of just go bleh yeah. And then the we'll we'll like Team America arms. Yeah, it's not very good for radio, though, is okay, it? Fair yes. Yeah. Um, so, what sound. have been. <laughs> Sorry, Mary? Nothing, <laughs> darling, please. Uh, so, what have been the biggest stories of 2016? What's been the most hilarious? What's been the most buzzwordy and sycophantic? And, in the words of Mary, what's been complete bull. Uh, Mary was, of course, the first person to swear on this podcast, and it's a tradition that we have really embraced. We've run with it. We've really run with it. I'm so proud. So the first highlight of the year I have is Scott's, and that is the exploding note seven. Scott? Uh, it would be me after I just inhaled a bit of cava, but I think I'm over it. <clears throat> exploding <laughs> note seven. Yeah, so obviously that was quite funny intrinsically. We're talking about the Samsung Galaxy Note, their phablet, which they came out with, and they were like, this is going to be the best thing ever, and then they started melting down and blowing up and all that sort of thing. And at first they went, yeah, okay, don't worry about it, we're on it. Um, just keep it in the fridge for now and we'll sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they go, okay, it's sorted now. Bring that one in. We'll send you a new one, which is guaranteed not to blow up. Even if you put it in a bonfire, <laughs> it would just be unaffected. And lo and behold, those started blowing up as well. Yeah. And then it's just like, I think the headline I wrote was, come on, Samsung, this is getting silly now. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, oh, we got nothing. And, <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't funny, obviously, for anyone who was hurt. I hasten to add, that's not funny. Um, and it's not funny to see anyone fail, but what is slightly funny is to see a very large, very imperious, very successful company just completely drop the ball, Yeah. Um, which is what they did. And, you know, we've got marketing and PR people in here. I'm sure in a minute they might have ideas about how it could be handled better. But I think in hindsight, and devices people, but in hindsight, uh, it was all a bit rushed. In their sort of competitive vigour, they rushed out a phone too soon, they rushed out the replacement too soon, and they probably should have just 
risked missing that particular competitive window and, and played it safe. But, you know, that's the benefit of hindsight. Mm. And all they do still, as you're sitting there waiting to get on to your Southwest flight, to your United flight, ladies and gentlemen, the FAA has told us that we need to make sure that none of you have a Galaxy Note 7. If you have a Galaxy Note 7, please come up to the, you know, to the podium and talk to me. And, of course, what do they do with that moment in time? I mean, what, what exactly happens at that moment? I haven't seen anybody rush up. Yeah. But it's thoroughly embarrassing to listen to this announcement and every signs, time. Signs everywhere. Oh, what? it's just like, really, really? This is still going on? Presumably there's, there's a single plane um, in the U.S. that flies from location to location that's entirely swathed <laughs> in ice um, that then delivers the Galaxy Note S7 to their eventual owner. To those people. Brilliant. I mean, for me, that I mean, that wasn't the worst PR exercise. It's when they took down that, oh, what was it? That cancer survivor. Oh, we, I mean, we, we, oh. So he didn't, Samsung, just to, for clarity, didn't take down a cancer survivor. Okay. Uh, this is something we covered in the episode where Alex featured. Uh, and, uh, and Alex, would you like to, would you like to recall your, your account of the proceedings? It was the, the mod for Grand Theft Auto where someone had turned the Gamsa, uh, <laughs> Samsung oh, Galaxy right. Note into a hand grenade, which I thought was a, a beautiful bit of poetry Excellent. there. And then, you know, people like to make videos of them using it, putting it on YouTube. And this one guy it was just like pr how bad could you make this go he had his videos pulled down for uh, coffee copyright infringement um, because of having the galaxy in the video which technically is not an infringement um, but then it got worse when it turns out he was actually a cancer survivor and this was his sole source of income and oh samsung God. took that away oh. <laughs> i heard the next week they went and kicked a baby <laughs> <laughs> uh yes uh, so it was it was a pretty hilarious sort of thing all around like you said it kind of started off with oh there's a few that have motored down I think the, the point at which it became really prominent was when someone left it plugged in in their jeep and then the jeep sat on fire yeah. um, and then there were a couple of other things they tried an OTA update to stop the battery charging to full capacity yeah. went to 65% and then that was still melting down mm. uh, and it just it just never stopped and, and I, I loved it it gave us so much to write about and the, the final thing they've done um, recently is send an OTA update that stops it charging at all so Brilliant. that was the only solution, was yep. bricking people's phones. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But do you know what? The, the worst thing is I've got an edge. This is my main device. Step and away. Every, <laughs> step away. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I get on a plane, I catch people sat next to me, look at me like this. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. They do look quite similar to most people. We're actually touching upon the point that Mary made about it being something that the FAA have banned. It's not just banned. You can actually go to prison if, you take, if you're caught with your Note 7 on, oh, a, yeah. on a flight now. It's uh, a thing. But don't they ask just put it? You have to put it in the checked-in luggage. No. Oh no. No, no. no I think they're just not allowed at all. Not allowed yeah. in the air. Um, you can you can remove the battery, um, and presumably destroy it and smash it into a thousand different pieces and just ship the. Uh, and then you've got a thousand yeah, so different grenades <laughs> all over the place. Which is better than like having one that's actually in working. <laughs> <laughs> the, thing, the, the thing that annoyed me is that. Sort of tech journalist about it the most though it was such a good phone <laughs> it was everything that they said it would be it was as good as an iPhone it had a headphone jack like it, it, was, it, was, it was good um, aside so, from one you know, small problem you could be the only person in the whole world that has said anything like that yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I'm I, was, I was sort of thinking about the bigger picture and they'll get away with it Samsung hasn't been overly damaged maybe their, their wallet has but I think as soon as that the, the sequel to Alex's phone comes out well, the, the, the test will be next year, won't it? Because in terms of branding, to what extent has the Note brand 
been yeah, the, permanently tarnished. The Note brand might be dead, but I think um, the next. No, I've got a Samsung as well. Not the not the curly screen one, just a straight up seven, and that's all fine and has yet to blow up. And I think that's fine. The, the straight up Galaxy brand's fine, but Note sub brand could be. I don't, I don't think general people on the street know the difference. A number of people who've looked at me have gone, is your phone going to explode? Like, no, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's when you go running around like a madman, waving it at people's yeah. faces. <laughs> so, so is it fair to say that in uh, 2017 we can look forward to the Galaxy S8 Note Fire? Yes. <laughs> or the Note Ice. Oh, oh, to go the other yeah. way. Even better. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a better move. Or the Note, there's definitely nothing wrong with this phone. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine how funny it would be? the answer survivors. Can you imagine how funny it would have been if the Amazon fire blew up? It would have been perfectly fitting. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that Samsung also did this year uh, was build on its VR proposition. Alex, this is your highlight of 2016, is the rise of virtual reality. Yeah, if I, if I look back and we re-rewind to MWC, for example, mm. I looked at people wearing VR headsets and they looked stupid. Um, it, you know, it was that yeah. thing around every single conference. It was just the nerdy novelty. And actually, we fast forward to where we are now. And for me, it's a funny moment. It was actually Sky's app for VR that f- finally, for me, made it feel like it was actually becoming mainstream because yeah. they're one of the first producers that bothered to actually go and film something interesting for VR. They went and did mm-hmm. um, some of the football games. They've done some of the boxing matches as well. I think they're actually properly thinking about this as a mainstream thing. And of course, as we discovered um, and we discussed earlier this year, <laughs> VR porn has been um, something of a storm as well. So it, it really has been the year of VR. It's, it's the great enabler for VR is, is, is pornography. Well, that, that was your theory wasn't it the porn kickstarts everything like yeah, i think i think the example the you used last time was um was online payments yep. was that exactly. kicked off by porn basically yep. yeah. um, I, <laughs> so, I'm I'm i cannot stand it I'm, i gotta start laughing i'm trying to be quiet over here i cannot do it um, you were you would have hated the last episode where, where alex came on this was a com- oh, no, topic I, conversation i listened to it i totally listened to that episode i totally know what you're talking about <laughs> Uh, can we can we get some more uh, context as to how um, the porn industry kickstarted payments, online payments? Are you asking me specifically? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it was just the internet in general. Like I, I don't know. It's a premium. <laughs> it's the original premium content, isn't it? Yeah. It's I a suppose, thing. It's yeah. a thing that people will pay for. Yeah. You know, let's not forget the dark ages of porn mags. Whereas that was the only way we could get gratification. We couldn't uh, just click on a mouse. There's I mean, a couple be... of millennials in here, and that's Prius, basically. Yeah, I mean, to, to, be fair, to be fair, the fact that my son won't get to experience bin porn is, yes. uh, is, is, a, massive, is a massive problem. Is that um, porn found in the bin, yes. or is that mm-hmm. porn based in a when, bin? Well, no, it's found in a bin. It's right. the location rather than the source <laughs> is probably the best way of fighting it. But, you um, know, when you grow up in a, in a town in the, middle of, uh, in the middle of nowhere, well, I mean... Southeast England isn't really the middle of nowhere, but I should imagine in Wales, Jamie. Um, <laughs> when, when, when you're when you're desperately when you're desperately searching for sort of you know uh, I'm going to stop there because yeah no, no we don't we don't do porn magazines it was just sort of crude oh, no, drawings no, written on the walls so, basically so as Jamie's discussing <laughs> porn in Wales I'm I'm going to open another bottle of the Cava in case no one's realised that we're actually drinking during this. Uh, Lovely yeah. year-end <laughs> activity. So there we go. Please continue. Uh, should we get back to the subject of virtual reality and yeah. not <laughs> pornography? Um, but, but so, to, to your point, Tim. Sorry to interrupt. No, but, please. You know, three G. What stood for girls, games, and gambling, right? And the whole point was, in order to drive forward an industry, you needed 
people who were willing to pay for stuff over a new platform and mm -hmm. I think porn sort of served that purpose and gambling served that purpose and mm. gaming served that purpose Vice. and if you look at if you look at everything that sort of then adds in the areas of the world where micro payments and large payments in app mm -hmm. um, are prevalent then you're looking at those three areas yeah, valid point. Uh, moving back to the VR discussion, then. I mean, what else have we seen this year? You said it's been it's been really brought to prominence by Sky, the UK broadcaster, uh, bringing out a virtual reality dedicated content app. Have we seen any other instances? Um, pornography aside, pornography aside, there's one actually that's completely stupid. I I loved it this year. Has anyone tried Netflix in VR? No. no, no. You basically sit in someone else's front room and watch their TV. Oh my <laughs> God! Yes. <laughs> just it was it was brilliantly simple, but it's actually quite fun. Oh, you're not sick when you finish room. doing that too. Like which is like a bonus, yeah. right? Yeah. I'll I'll say one thing actually. It's interesting. I think I haven't tried it, but I've got this Samsung phone, non-explosive, um, <laughs> and. When I was at Mobile Congress at the Samsung event, actually with the launch of this phone at the start of this year, they gave away these VR headsets that are compatible with yeah. the phone. And my kids, especially my son, have been all over it. They absolutely love it. And I think he's watched sort of Netflix in VR. But that sort of brings a point to me, because to me, VR, especially wearing that headset, I can think of very few applications for me where I'd be willing to go around with the thing strapped mm. to my face. But for a 12-year-old boy, it's a completely different thing. It's like, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so some of it will be generational. But then I think the problem there is that, yeah, the 12-year-old boy likes it, but it's dad who's going to pay for it. Yeah, it's so or not. It's so expensive at the moment. Like, if you're looking yeah. at something like um, PlayStation VR, it's really good, it's very immersive, but you have to, you're basically spending 600 quid just to get the headset and yeah. the console. I've already wow. said no to that as a Christmas present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but at the same time, that you could say the same thing about mobile phones going back 20 years. You know, yeah. we are normalised to pay in three to four hundred pounds in a mobile phone now, whereas in the future your son is going to be normalised to pay in that amount for VR kit. Or Scott it's, is. It will come down. Yeah, well, it'll come down, but it'll still be expensive. Well, I think the, the, the thing with, with mobile phones as a premium product, which everyone pays out for, is because everyone needs a communications device. The challenge, I suppose, with VR is that not everyone needs a VR headset. It's not an essential device. You'd be surprised, though. You, I mean, well, I mean, you take it with a pinch of salt, but there was that Oracle study a couple of days ago where they think that most uh, customer relationships is going to move from the telephone through to VR or to artificial intelligence and yeah pinch of salt but I can see more and more of those sort of instances coming up. What I really like is the augmented reality because <clears throat> then I can kind of still look at you and have like if I wanted to look at Scott right I wanted to overlay a view of Scott you know, right now he's got a fabulously cheerful Santa hat on. You know, if I want to look at Scott 24 year, you know, you know, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year with a little Santa hat on. I think human. you'd be literally the only person in the world that would want to do that. <laughs> I'm just including my example, immediate family. As an example. I was going to say but, his I mean, wife gets rid of him every couple of weeks. So. <laughs> that, that augmented reality still allows you to have eye contact. Yeah. And that yeah. virtual reality is so immersive, right? Because it has to be. I... I'm not there. I, I still, I'm so thankful that my boys, my 17-year-old, my 13-year-old, who have unbelievable expectations of what all of mobile and digital should be providing them, have not said to me anything about, you know, a VR for PlayStation or 360 mm. or Xbox One. Thank yeah. God. Mm. But I'm sure it's coming. Um, just before we move on, I think I was at VRAR Worlds, what was it, about Ooh. two months ago. Something uh, like one of the Informer events. And someone actually said to me, one of the best use cases for augmented reality I've, I've, heard, I've ever heard. And it was, you could get rid of every signpost, 
and every bit of, you know all the crap that's written on the roads and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So you actually have a city that is just city, not any yeah. of the like the and health and safety. It's all digitally superimposed. Yeah. With AR. So you, yeah, you could wander around and actually see yeah. buildings. Heads mm. up reality. Yeah, essentially. Mm. Um, okay, so we've done quite a bit of consumery stuff. Let's get into the the rules sort of nitty gritty. Just uh, for the last the last one we do before we take a quick break. Uh, Mary, you sent me quite a ranty email. I'm going to <laughs> introduce your rant, and then I'll allow you to rant even further. Well, so verbatim. Sure. Why does no one seem to remember that all of this fabulous mobile technology is still run on line of sight radio communications first? Why does no one talk about Spectrum? How much it is and how scared it is and what's up with the ridiculous expectations we have about how it should work. My son's, my son's constant phrase is, why the funk don't I have LTE? <laughs> I'm censoring there. Every, everything is about 5G, IoT, 5G partnerships, so on and so forth. Maybe a sentence or two around broadband and regulations on broadband when we still don't have the spectrum we need. So, Mary, what is your sentence or two... <coughs> excuse me. Well, uh, your sentence or two about the spectrum we need. Commence your rant. Yeah, I, I don't get this. I really, I, I have been inundated over the last sort of 12 to 18 months on the fact that unless it's something to do with IoT or 5G or some device blowing up, mm-hmm. right, there's no other, there's no other topic, right? That's it. And yet at the same time, there's all this fabulous aspirational discussion on what the bleep mm-hmm. we're going to do. In, uh, in <laughs> Brad's, producer you're Brad's kidding. shaking his head, Mary, unless you actually say it, you're not going to get there. Anyway. Brad was excited there for Brad, a second. Brad, Brad, was, Brad gonna, was excited, yeah, Mary. Was Come on. get something out of that. No, I, I, cannot, I cannot get over the fact that I'm in London right now, and I'm being steered by an unnamed mobile network operator from the United States onto... <laughs> Let's play a game of Guess the Operator. God! <laughs> anyway, I am so pissed off by the fact that yeah, do I have LTE? No, no, I do not. Mm. If I have 3G, I saw f- Edge <laughs> inside of Heathrow. I saw oh. GPRS. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's sick. Do you know how long it takes to let go of Spectrum that's already been occupied? Take a guess. Scott, take a guess. If you have occupied Spectrum by some sort of organization and you have to let it go, you have to release it so that it can be used by the mobile network operator community, how long does that take? Oh, five, ten years? It takes five to seven years to unencumber Spectrum to be used. And we have these phenomenal, grandiose, ridiculous statements about, oh, zero latency. Oh, how exciting. You know, 5G, it's going to be, you're going to be able to perform a surgery 3,000 miles away because you're not going to have any latency. You're not going to have any. uh, It just, no one talks about it. No one talks about this. It drives me batshit. (laughs) Absolutely. In no way, shape, and form. Is this a U.S. phenomenon, though? Because, I mean, as a U.K. consumer, when I go abroad, I get LTE everywhere. Aren't you fabulous? I know. (laughs) I'm so delighted for you. We're not not sure, but I mean, is it? I'm asking you. Um, is it? No, I, is I, it I, get, I get nonsense just about everywhere where I go. I, I'm not seeing LTE nor a, a condition, you know, a, a conditioned, considered, absolutely consistent approach to the way in which I get any kind of 4G. And I know roaming more than I probably should, so I know that I could be being steered on to just mm. about anything. However, what I, I what I don't like is the fact that. Spectrum is this wonderful, rare 
absolutely rare commodity that we have. And nobody talks about it. The only people that talk about it are the people that are, actually, that's their job. But there is no unencumbered, there's no sort of vast green field of spectrum that we could use that no one's using, oh, gee, right now. Well, millimeter wave. But yeah, that, which is great. You can't do if much if with I got to talk to you between the table and then the four feet yeah, to you, exactly. which is fabulous. And <laughs> God forbid there's a wall between us because that's not going to work either. So I cannot get over the lack of prescient constant conversation about this unbelievably scarce resource that everyone assumes is there. Yeah, totally. We can totally get it. Oh, and by the way, it's free. Yeah, bullshit. No. (laughs) I mean, I cannot get over this. It just does not make any sense to me. So that's my big rant for today. I know know I'm sort of, you know, preempting the next sort of, you know, Podcasts content, but uh, can I suggest a uh, Mary Clark's uh, <laughs> Spectrum shit fit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sort of, you know, maybe well, maybe, maybe it's a monthly thing on the web. Yeah. On, on the, on the, on I, the uh, I podcast. think we could get a column. On the <laughs> yeah. side. Uh, Mary, um, it just drives me crazy. Ma- it really Mary does. gives good rant. I just yeah. it really it drives me absolutely nuts. It really. Well, does. I mean, Mary, I mean, you've still got about fifty-seven seconds left of your segment. Do you want to? Do you want to just? What's, what's the solution? So it needs to be something that we are talking about constantly. It's not covered in the media because it's dry and toasty, right? And I get that. But the point is, is that because you, what, what needs to be covered is who's got it. Who are the people that are sitting on the spectrum at beautiful sort of 900 megahertz, right? Get to like 1,000, 1,100, oh. 1.1 gig, right? Who's got, who's <laughs> in 1.2? Who's in 2.3, right? 700 megahertz could go through city blocks, right? It's fantastic. Does anybody talk about this? Talk about those bastards that are sitting on that spectrum. That's what I want to have talked about. We need to make this more of a constant conversation about what do we need, who's got it, where do we make it available, and then what needs to be made a part of the conversation is the fact that the operators have to pay for this. Gee, you know, all we really talk about when we talk about the OTTs coming in on the uh, in, in utilizing this amazing spectrum and this amazing solution that the mobile operators have, right? Well, the mobile operators have had to pay for that spectrum. I'm sure that some, you know, one of you have in your database the amount that of spectrum, how much does cost operators of the last, say, 30 years in order to, you know, propagate mm. this, right? Which, of course, you know, folks like Amazon and Facebook and Google have never had to actually pay for that. Mm. Now, if they had to actually have any of that and be able to deal with that, and be able to deal with that entire issue, that would be an entirely different conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm. I could keep going. Do you want to breathe? breathe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll just, uh, I would I'll just, breathe. just before we go to a break, I would like to point out that when you said that beautiful, sweet sort of spectrum, Richard fogged down the end of the table, just went, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about 700 <laughs> megahertz. I love 700 megahertz. It can go anywhere, it can do anything. I love it. It's absolutely creasing the f- out of himself over there. On that note, we are going to call an end to the first part of this Christmas special. We'll be back with the next course of your Christmas dinner right after this. A Week in Wireless is going to be going on a very quick Christmas break, but we'll be back in 2017 with this rowdy bunch. Yay! Where instead of looking back at 2016, we'll be looking forward to 2017. So stick with us. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Oh, that course went down very well indeed, didn't it? So should we have another one, guys? Cheers. Yay. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, right, so uh, Richard Fogg, your 2016 highlights. I'm also going to read out your, your, uh, your email verbatim. That will help. Um, 
The biggest thing in 2016 for me was the closure of BT's EE acquisition and the rejection of the O2-3 merger. It demonstrates how quote-unquote out-of-touch regulators are and has found uh, profound implications for the UK and probably the European telecoms landscape. Uh, funniest moment was Jamie describing most of the UK incumbents as moany little bitches. <laughs> Especially as I got to say it in a pitch. Three times. Three times, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I Less. remember that, that was hilarious. <laughs> you still owe me a beer for that. Nobody responded to my email, Jamie. <laughs> um, no, I was just taking Alex through the uh, joy of that. that my, my pitch notes are sat in front of me right now. Uh, Moaning Little Bitch is underlined several times. I underlined it every time I said it. Was that about the? Was that a quote or was that about the client? Uh, it's a quote. <laughs> direct quote. We we don't work with them at the moment, so uh, I can I can't come back to you on that final point. Uh. Um, I, I think so. There's been a major period of consolidation in this market that's mm -hmm. been going on for years. And generally for the good of the sector and investment in spectrum and investment in infrastructure and investment in all those other things that are going to make mobile operators successful over time, you need scale. As much as it upsets me as a guy who runs a medium-sized business, scale mm -hmm. is a good thing in some markets, right? Um, and so the thing that really upsets me most is that someone like Ofcom, who could not find its ass with both hands, someone <laughs> like the <laughs> EE, uh, sorry, about the EU regulatory um, system, who honestly struggle to find their own offices in the morning, um, <laughs> is that they can have such a major say on what happens on, on the consolidation of this market. Mm -hmm. E and BT were able to get together because, frankly, Ofcom do not understand the difference between mobile and fixed line. Right, that's it. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Gone. Done. Dusted. And yet they turned down something like O2 and uh, 3, which, frankly, was the only organisation that stood a good chance of standing up against that kind, that level of investment they've mm. got. Because you can see it now, right? Um, I. Uh, Paul, uh, my wonderful colleague who uh, co-starred with me mm -hmm. um, in the uh, last podcast, and I'm, I'm missing his involvement now because, frankly, he knows a lot more about telecoms <laughs> than I do. Um, but Did you buy yourself more than you could chew with this? I bring faster than he does, so, you know. And I was, I was sat in the chair, should we say. Um, but I think, you know, he was saying this morning about sort of half eight this morning, I said, what, what, what's going to happen next year? It would be useful to know. He said, well, I'm, I'm really not sure about what's going to happen with Sky. I think Sky are in big trouble. Um, you know, you're looking at they're being diminished in all the cool stuff that they're doing. There's sort of, you know, issues over rights ownership and stuff like that. And I don't know how that's going to continue. Mm. Anyway, so what? About half nine this morning, the acquisition of yeah. Sky gets announced, which is terrifying because yeah. Paul is very rarely right that quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think <laughs> yeah. that points to an uncertain future for all of us. Can I yeah. say, Rich, he actually broke off Friday, so he's cheating. He's oh, pretending he had advanced really? knowledge. Oh, there you go. Sorry, in that case, my news is old. <laughs> um, but either way, I think, I think it makes the point that unless these smaller um, operators are able to get together which is absolutely fine unless Ofcom or EU or whoever think it's going to be difficult because it's creating a sort of cartel-like atmosphere. Mm. I think you're looking at some real problems with the mobile industry going forwards, and that's what worried me most about 2016. Mm. Well, uh, the EU did go on a bit of a freezing frenzy over the course of the year in terms of sort of rejecting a whole bunch of consolidation stuff. They, they, they said no to a, f a few different transactions, I believe. 
they did let one go through, which is in Italy, which is a mobile player buying another mobile player, but on the condition that a fourth mobile player is established and brought into the yeah, market in the first place, which just starts to right. defeat the purpose of right. the whole f***ing exercise in the first place. Because they've got yeah. absolutely no wherewithal and power in the market. One of the funny ironies about all of this is um, they, what happened in France about five or ten years ago where they insisted on a fourth player because the three incumbents they, they figured were charging too much. So they brought in a fourth player called Free Mobile. Free? Yeah, yeah. There was, there was <laughs> Which a clue is amazing. There, yeah. um, who then undercut everyone and they all pouted and shrugged and went, it's not fair. And then eventually Europe's gone, yeah, actually, fair point. So they've gone full circle and they've sort of regretted the four, bringing the fourth player into France because it upset people like Orange um, and Bouygues and all that stuff. But now they won't let consolidation happen. So there's no con- consistency no. to it at all. Yeah, because from my point of view, as you watch sort of the tier one, the number one in the market, the number two in the market, the number three, pretty much consistently stays the same as you go amongst the 20, 28 markets in the EU today. But yet, as they think, you know, as they try to figure out what, what's really good for the consumer, what am I going to do? How do I make it better for them? There's not a there's not a, a magic number. The per month expense that somebody in Germany is paying is still exponentially higher than what somebody in France is paying right now, simply because of of freeze introduction into the market. Mm-hmm. They can't. The rest of the other other competitors in the French market can't compete against free unless they drop their price. So it's it's created pandemonium in many respects associated with just simply finding value associated with the delivery of mobile services it's uh there's no thought process yeah uh well speaking of uh sort of politics across the across the continent we're actually going to talk a little bit about politics across the globe oh dear uh jamie's 2016 highlights and I've got this here. Uh, we, we chatted about it this morning. I've got a little note that I'm going to read just before we start, which is ramifications of political change, i.e. the fallouts from Brexit and Trump. Ah. Data protection, more power for intelligence agencies and governments generally f***ing things up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's perfect to follow on from you there, Foggy. It's, um, you know, you just run it through, you just run it through anything. You can't really blame the fallout for, uh, for Brexit on the UK government. I mean, it was... It was us as as citizens that voted to go out more than the the, uh, the, the politicians actually yep. selecting it. But sure. then you just run through everything else and you go through Trump and like you know net neutrality is uh, turning out to be an absolute roundabout at the moment. Then his protectionism stuff with the rest of the world. He's not even targeting China. He's charging, targeting everyone. Doing safe harbour, privacy shields. Uh, you know the German and French governments talking about <laughs> encryption limits. Uh, the European Commission messing around with roaming charges, Ofcom. I'm glad you brought up Ofcom, actually. What the hell are you doing, Mary? I'm getting more uh, here. You, you don't have to be beer. that quiet about it. It's all right. Um, <laughs> I thought Mary go crazy. <laughs> you got, then you got Ofcom messing around with her. BT, yeah. and then also yeah, just all the surveillance laws which are going around at the moment. I mean, it's... The regulators and the legislators. Oh, it's for me. Thank you. Yes, it is. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, no, I'm all right with that. I let her off. I was going to say, Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I try. All of a sudden, he has no alcohol in front of him. This yeah, is not that fair. Do. But it's not like him either. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, the it's industry. Monday morning at 9 a.m. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the industry just doesn't know where it's going at the moment. I mean, mm. especially in the States. I think the States, this Trump thing, I think, is going to have such a massive ramification across the whole world. 
like how IBM and EMC and VMware and Google, how they're going to react to this protectionism thing if it does actually go through, if he becomes president, because what was there this morning about? He will. Uh, oh, yeah, well, people trying to yeah, trying thing. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he will. it's not whether it, irrelevant. I mean, the whole government <laughs> intrusion into the technology industry at the moment is just causing an absolute cluster all over the place. So I want to make a quick point, but I also want to encourage Mary to speak up as the uh, nominated American. Oh, the Christ, room. are you a Republican? <laughs> no, well, I, no, I don't even no, know I've what she is. Now I've got you all of that, so you're a Republican. what she is, but she's definitely American. Anyway. She's, no, she's Canadian. Um, <laughs> no, when she's it suits not. her. Um, is, uh, so you make a sort of current one thread observation between uh, Brexit and Trump and some other stuff, and I agree with that. And what underpins them all is is this sort of wave of what people call populism, yeah. i.e. Yeah. Uh, politicians sort of making promises they probably know are unrealistic and counterproductive, but because they know it will win them cheap votes. And it could be that a lot of this protectionist stuff, um, clamping down on M&A, clamping down on big business, clamping down on net neutrality, whatever... Um, is all part of this broader sort of populist thing. But at the same time, there's there's a few that are sort of completely counter to that. So you, you're talking about um, uh, sort of the government having more influence and sort of protecting people, and mm. you know. Uh, but then you talk about um, you know the German and French governments when they met up and they wanted to limit the levels of uh, sort of encryption on messaging, for instance. Right. So that makes us, for me, limiting the level of encryption just. Well, they're probably not so populist. But I, I'm curious, Mary, from yeah. uh, so so <laughs> Trump, Trump discuss. Oh, I'm the lone American at this table. Um, uh, Situation where, normal. Where, where, yeah, right. Situation normal. Uh, where do I begin? So, all right. An apology. <laughs> Do you know what? So I, what was really good about that was that was producer Brad bursting into laughter in the background and in in the booth. That was awesome. I had I had a great analogy a couple of days ago in the pub, and there was um, in the and, pub, which is only perfect. Oh yeah, no, of course. <laughs> Go and on, um, you know, you got you got the UK that turns around to the rest of the world, and he says, right, you know, let's get a bit boring at the moment. <laughs> getting to getting into June, let's see what we can do. Brexit, yeah. I know what we can do. I know what Have we can do. Have a look at this shit. And then America turns around and goes... Ha. November 9th, we're going to top you. Hold we're gonna my, go, hold we're my going drink. To let me, let me see what I can do. That's right. We're going to nail this. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm going to stick to the mobile side of this one. If you will. <laughs> I'm going to just stick right there. Um Oh, God. Uh, I mean, I'm as really... a former Republican candidate, how does this uh, <laughs> yeah. lie, by very, the way? That's very, a total lie. Very cute. Um, no, I, uh, I actually, I live very close to Washington, D.C., and I've spent a great deal of my career um, within that uh, bubble inside of the, the what's called the Beltway. In, uh, you would refer to it as the Ring Road. So mm-hmm. the, the, the Beltway inside of, of D.C., and, yeah, there's going to be a wholesale change inside of the FCC, right, which is your yeah. equivalent yeah. of the Ofcom, right? So the FCC will change, and that will have incredible effects, certainly on net neutrality, on uh, Telecom Consumer Protection Act, the TCPA. There's a lot of downstream authority that has been pushed out and uh, enforced 
in a way that's not ever been enforced inside of the United States in decades by the FCC. So what I'm looking forward to is my, I will be, I'll tell you, my, my biggest beef is out of the net neutrality. Mm-hmm. What I never understood, which has pissed me off right from the very beginning, is the whole business associated with free data. Yeah. We Zero have, rating. What, what bothers me is a lack of the fact that consumers love, love the fact that they have an internet, right? Mm-hmm. You, do you pay for fa- Facebook? No. <laughs> you don't pay for it. Do you pay for to Google? No. What pays for that? Advertising. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we all sort of gleefully, stupidly enter this, you know, fabulous world of the internet, assuming that we're just going to continue to have the fabulous existence that we currently have today. Well, what is supporting that? Advertising revenue. What ultimately is a much more efficient and appropriate way to take advantage of this wonderful mobile channel that we have is to say, I'm going to pay for your mobile data access today. And who's going to pay for that? You name it. Enterprise, brand, Mm. car manufacturer. Trump. Right. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not seeing that necessarily. However, but, but what I am saying is that I would love to see a different perspective put on that particular aspect of net neutrality. That has bothered me. That is the single aspect of net neutrality that's totally taken me. Uh, so we're end. just going to go to Jamie for one more point on the regulatory side of things, unless Henry has something he wants to very quickly add in afterwards. I mean, um, first, I mean more than anything else, I mean, the, the Trump thing, mm. I think the net neutrality is a very interesting argument, and I think that's not really going to change because it's going to be very focused on the US. Mm. I mean, the one thing I'm really, really interested to see how it plays out is when we're talking about foreign tariffs that are coming in. Oh, yeah. And I think that will impact the technology industry more than anything else because you look at companies like Google, IBM, EMC, VMware, all of them, them, basically. They're not growing in their own domestic market. So you put a tariff on, say, China to come in, China's going to put a tariff on you. You put it on Taiwan, on India, on anything like Mm. that. You're basically creating IBM has to grow out its own domestic market, which isn't growing at all. So he is basically, and I think this is going to cripple. No, it's not going to cripple anyone. If could I, do. I'm just going to, I'm going to hedge myself there. It could <laughs> do. It, um, it could do. It could there do. There we go. It's not going to impact any other industry as much as it does the technology industry because technology is the one that's looking internationally more than anyone else to grow. I and think it could what I really would say. Hurt them. The only thing I would say is that we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. I'm not going to buy the the hyperbole that's being currently said. But I don't see until the deal is until the deal is done. That's the thing. Poor, poor Tim is at it. It's just like Mary, stop talking. We're running out Go of time. Him. I'm stopping. It's the stop. internet, Henry. Tim. Henry. There's always more time. I think we should stop drinking. I, I, as a consumer, no. I don't think that's very. I was going to try and underline this section with a, a broad stroke. Okay. Go I, on. I would wager that yes, I agree <laughs> that the. Uh, the telecoms business and the technology industry will be affected irre- irrevocably by what's happened in the last year. But I don't think that will change the attitude of the consumer. It will change what the consumer mm. is getting mm. from the back end. But I think at the end of the day, whether or not an iPhone is made in America or China, consumers are still going to buy it. Mm. They're still going to use it. They're still going to get a subsidized phone contract and they'll pull up with the deal they've been given without knowing it. Right. Final one. <laughs> Final highlight of the year. By all means, as soon as I bring in the next highlight, you can just carry on talking about what you guys want to talk about anyway. Yeah, uh, free for all section at the end. It's, it's not for me to deprive people at Christmas. 
Um, <laughs> but Henry, you've had to wait a long time. You've you've had the odd the odd word which has been flown in and, and, and sort of. I'm a footnote. Is, no, no. <laughs> is, uh, or the headline or the headliner, you know, whichever you want. Um, so, so your highlight was from a consumer tech point of view, 2016 for me has shown smartphone stagnation. No major phone releases that were that exciting because there's nothing it's possible to add. I hate to say peak smartphone, but that's kind of what it is. So to get us going on your highlights, what do you, uh, why do you think the smartphone market has stagnated? Well, one did set the world on fire. <laughs> well, hey. yeah, but the rest haven't dropped mic. You um, definitely <laughs> set yourself up for that, didn't you? In the last 20 seconds, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it's something that the technology industry talks about all the time, and you tend to get, I think, a telescopic evolution of technology over the past 10, 15 years. Um, then I look at all the smartphones on the table in front of us, and I was thinking, apart from battery life, what can mm. what can companies do now? It's a good mirror. When I, well, I was I was wondering about this. <laughs> I was I was wondering, and and a point that I made here in my prompt is, are we now at a point where we it's a case of unknown unknowns? Do we oh, not Rumsfeld about it? Well, yeah, perhaps, but do we <laughs> do we now not know what's going to go into the next smartphone? But there is something that will just change the way that we use technology. Well, yeah, like I mean, what? Well, that's exactly the point. There's got to be, there's always <laughs> got to be some wanky philosophical uh, philosophical moments in these podcasts. Uh, isn't there? Yeah. Hold on, hold on. It comes from you, Jamie. One of those for you, Brad. Is it okay if I actually do drop my mic? Okay. <laughs> Excellent. You can, you can uh, add that back into right. uh, Henry's <laughs> moment later. Thanks, Fabric. Um, no worries. I just that was great. <laughs> it took me. I'm really, I'm <laughs> really glad we brought you in for this. <laughs> I'm adding value uh, and drinking beer, uh, so not been a total waste of a day. Um, it's good to know. I, I, fair point, actually. I'd never, I'd never considered Henry that we might be at peak smartphone because that's a that's a nice way of thinking about it in terms of that rise and that fall. And to, you know, the point earlier about, to Alex's point about sort of VR starting to really sort of mount up and you're getting to that point where I don't know if anybody um, follows that wonderful gentleman who's over at uh, Andreessen Horowitz, um, whose name I've totally forgotten. We used to work at Ender's Analysis. This isn't working for me. I, I saw his research this morning. Yeah, nonetheless. Uh, yeah. Benedict Evans, Ben Evans, yeah. And so Ben Evans sort of like, okay, VR is going to be really interesting when we have the processing power and the networks and latency and all that kind of stuff to really bring it up to speed so it works on the smartphone. You're right, there's been nothing interesting happening in smartphones for the last year, mm. two years or something like that. That's kind of okay because so much exciting stuff has happened before, but now it's really up to the network to pick it up and demonstrate what might be possible for other things. Going yeah, no, definitely the provision of services has kind of infiltrated people's smartphones because, I mean, really, there is w there's one smartphone. I mean, I think... I, I, I don't know, I don't want to speak for all of us, but I will. If we were all here in, in 2005 with our Nokias in front of us and you said, what's the next big thing? No one would have really guessed a touchscreen phone with no keyboard. It just wouldn't have happened. Sure. Um, yeah, to follow on from that, I agree with the peak smartphone thing. And I, in my job before this, I've been doing this two and a half years, I was a smartphone analyst. And to be honest, I saw it even then um, because there just wasn't much new stuff. And it's frustrating if you're a smartphone analyst or a tech journalist you're trying to write these things up and you're going, yeah, it's basically same. last year. <laughs> yeah. um, the uh, the uh, interesting thing you point about the history of it is I think one of the reasons it's got to that stage is it's been on a very steep curve. So in 2005, Definitely. no one called it. In 2008, barely anyone called it. And Apple came out of it and they've been reaping just sick profits on the back of it mm. ever since. Um, they but did change the entire 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I no, mean, totally. Everything changed. Well, I, I mean, sick more in a superlative rather than immoral sort uh, of way. Okay, so Jamie, on his Apple rant, his iPhones are for girls, <laughs> yeah. by the way. No, that no, was that, not was, that, was that wasn't me. That, that, that was, I did that not miss that. That was research as well. However, but yeah, research bullshit on that one. <laughs> it was from yeah, the Fine I'm, Educational I'm, Institution of Lancaster, Lancaster University. Which, now, wonderful institution. I, I, how many words that sample? And nevertheless. Um, my current point of view on that one, though, they completely changed the expectation of the consumer. Agreed. That's it. Did they... Yeah. Yeah, that I lifer. Yeah. I lifer. it, yeah. I think that, that Jamie, was the last time you I were believe, on, Henry. you know, totally <laughs> hates... Yeah. Incredibly derisive commentary. I totally understand. No, but there's so many people that just buy Apple products. I'm not. I'm not saying no. I'm not saying Henry or Tim are eyelifers, um, but I'm saying there are so many people out there that just buy Apple yeah. products for the, for the sake that they are so, Apple products. Like Tim, you do actually do it. In all fairness, don't you? What do I you, do? You've what? basically buy got a, a suite Apple of Apple products at home. Uh, yeah, but I'm not re- constantly refreshing my my bicycle. The, the, the Apple technology I have, all of it is at least sort of three years old now. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I, there's, there's no iWatch in that man's wrist. No. No, now, no, no but he knows that, that useless, I'm an iLifer, so. but one of the biggest reasons I'm an iLifer is how much money I have invested in iTunes. Yeah. That is my driver. If anyone actually knew how much I'd spent on iTunes, which I will never tell anyone, <laughs> that <laughs> so is why I, have, I buy the Apple TV, I buy the Apple phones, I buy the, the Mac. I want to make sure that I can leverage that. Tim is raising his hand. I have to stop talking. <laughs> no, we're getting we're getting death stares from producer Brad because we are we are starting to run up to time. But because this was <laughs> as this was Henry's stairs, Henry's section, I want to give him the I final say. Oh, I just Henry. want to ask you, Henry, do we really think that smartphones have peaks, or is it a different kettle of fish entirely for developing markets? Good point, and one I am unaware of. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is, so yeah. thanks, Tim. Yeah. So cheers. Oh, for geez, sorry about that. Um, no, it's not a big smartphone, but I mean in terms of the. Uh, forward-thinking nature of journalism, we, we've run out of ideas, so it's up to manufacturers to uh, do something different. Wonderful. Going to surprise you. Okay. I, th- mm. I think, you know, from an emerging markets perspective, three to five years, you're looking at mass um, penetration of the African market, for example. Mm. You're looking at the sort of, you know, very, very low do- dollar denomination um, smartphones that are coming out of um, China at the moment. Yeah. I, it's going to be really interesting. I think Android is going to win the you know, volume market, and as ever, um, Apple's mm. going to win the premium. I, don't, I think Fair they're enough. I think they're losing it, though, aren't they? I mean, if you actually look, uh, the one thing I think will make a difference, and this is mainly because I've had ter- I've not had really high end phones for the last couple of years. As <laughs> no, 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 well we're not talking about my feature phone now. We're talking about before that. I went for sort of like mid range smartphones, but they only last twelve months. So. Mm. There is going to be a replacement cycle there. Mm. Like when you look at the emerging markets and they buy phones that are worth 100, 150 pounds, there will be a replacement mm. cycle mm. there. So it's finding that budget phone that can yeah. be replaced all the time. Absolutely. So uh, I'm afraid uh, that we have we have come up against time. Not only is Brad giving us uh, sort of dagger stairs, he's actually going to um, actually kill me if we keep running. Something to be physically restrained. Um, so so what I want to do say is thanks very much indeed to uh, to Jamie. Thank you, Tim. To Mary. Thank you. To Henry. Trump. To Richard. (laughs) 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 To Richard. Sorry. Just say something. There you go. Um, Not Trump. There you go. To Alex. (laughs) Thank you. And to Scott. Uh, Uh, And Brad. (laughs) 
So thanks very much indeed for joining us. This has been our fun little Christmas bash. We'll be back in the new year with, funnily enough, the same gang to discuss 2017 predictions. So have a wonderful festive period and we'll see you next year. Merry y'all. Christmas. Bye. <laughs> And that's a wrap for 2016, dear listener. Thanks very much indeed for joining us on A Week in Wireless this year. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we'll be back next year. Same place, same time, same people, but even better.